Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're right back to WEEI. This organization has had a lot of success over the years for a long time. And there have been many teams that, you know, they have one good year and then they're out for three years. One thing I learned from coaches and from, from Thunder is about just surrounding yourself with good people, right? Surrounding yourself with good people. Now, as far as our staff and, and things like that, we're going to be good. We're going to be a lot better. Now, Bill always says this, managing expectations. For me, I'm not trying to be Bill. I'm not trying to be Bill. I think that Bill is his own man. Uh, if you can't tell by now, I'm a little bit different even up here. Uh, but what I will say is, you know, the more I think about, the more I think about, like, the lessons that I've taken from Bill, hard work works, right? Hard work works, and, and that's what we're all about. Hour number two here at Sunday Mass. I'm Reverend Arkan. Nice to have you with us here today on Boston Sports Original, WEEI. I'll be with you until 11 o'clock. We're going to be joined by Tom King at 1030, the great Tom King. Uh, up there in Nashua, Nashua Telegraph. I think he's the entire sports department up there now. He used to just be like a Patriots writer. Now he does like the whole, he's the whole sports department. Which, uh, well, it's more than you can say for Sports Illustrated these days. We'll get to that a little bit later, too. Tough time, grim times in this industry, I would say. Wouldn't you say? Uh, but anyway, that was Gerard Mayo from his press conference. And listen, we've, we've uh, dissected that press conference pretty thoroughly. Uh, everything he said. And everything that Thunder said too, which, by the way, I mean, I know this was a, a big joke the whole the whole week, but I got to tell you that Thunder thing <laughs> was—I still like. I don't think it was hilarious. Like I know some people thought it was the funniest thing ever. It was funny for him to come out there and just spring this nickname on on the world like that without any warning. I mean, did anyone know that people were calling Robert Kraft Thunder behind the scenes? Did Gerard Mayo called him Thunder? <laughs> I had no idea. And it wasn't just that he called him Thunder. He called him Thunder about a dozen times. <laughs> like, it was just, yeah, just like Thunder said. you know. Like, and it was funny every time. I thought it was funny, and it got funnier as he kept doing it because he was really committed to the bit. You know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, it's my guy Thunder. Like, no, no, no. His name is Thunder, and that's how I'm going to refer to him. And that's the way it's going to be. I'm the new head coach. I do things a little differently from Bill Belichick. I call Robert Kraft Thunder <laughs> for one. Um, the one thing that in the, in the wake of all that has stuck out to me about Mayo's press conference, and it wasn't the, you know, the race thing or any of that other stuff. I actually, I liked what he had to say about that. I thought that was, I thought he, he sort of encapsulated that pretty well. 
And I also liked how he was sort of, you know, right after Robert Kraft said, I don't see color. He's like, well, I do. And I know some people didn't like that. And those people, you know, grabbed some tissues, I guess, because it wasn't anything inflammatory. I know Fox News had some fun with that. But, like, you know, I thought I thought in general uh, Mayo came across very uh, sincere. He came across like he had a plan. He was confident. Um, I I like that press conference. The only part of it that has made me give I've given any pause to was that part we just played, and it's not even so much because of uh, what Mayo said reflecting on him, but when he comes out there and he goes, "I'm not trying to be Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's his own man." I get that on some level, you know. Bill is really a unique figure in not just football, but I'd say pro sports in general. Uh, over the years, over the 24 years that he was here, the way he sort of ran the place, how it all went, how other people have tried to replicate it in other places where they were head coaches and it didn't work. Like, I think that, yeah, in those ways, Bill Belichick is very unique. But to hear him say, yeah, I'm not Bill, I'm not going to try and be like Bill, with Robert sitting right there, made me wonder, why not? Because with Bill running the show, I feel like the Crafts, with a few exceptions, weren't really involved. They were kind of in the background. They, you know, they own the team, obviously. But you sort of felt like, okay, Bill's the guy. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing. He's got the draft all set up. He's got the on-field stuff all. In, in, we don't have to get involved in any of that. You remember that one uh, video from? I think it was from the either the Do Your Job or the Football Light, whatever it was where Kraft's in the Bill's office talking about the weather and Bill's just going to town on that salad, <laughs> you know, not listening at all. And Kraft's like, oh, there's a lot, of, a lot of snow and wind or whatever, and Bill's just like, whatever, just housing that tuna salad. And, uh, you know, that was sort of the dynamic that they had for a long time, and it worked for a long time. It only stopped working recently. And they moved on, and I feel like they should have moved on. I'm not saying this to say that they should have kept Bill. I think that had run its course, obviously. But to hear Mayo come out and say, I'm not trying to be like Bill. I'm Bill's his own guy. I'm my own guy. Well, in some ways, I think you should try to be like Bill. In that way in particular. And I know that he's not going to have personnel uh, uh, control. But part of me sort of wishes that he did. Like, part of me sort of wishes that they would, at the very least, install somebody in that in that job and just sort of back off and let them do what they're going to do because it doesn't seem like it's going that way, does it? It doesn't seem to me like it's going that way. It seems to me like they installed their guy, Gerard Mayo, who's clearly their guy. I mean, I think that's, you know, based on the contract thing from last year and everything else, they targeted Mayo, and they made, and I like that they were proactive about that too, by the way. I'm not even hating on that. But it does kind of come off like they picked their guy, and he's their guy, and... In terms of personnel and, you know, drafts and stuff like that, no one really knows what the plan is there. No one knows if Gro and Wolf are going to go with Bill wherever he goes. Or maybe they'll stay here and be co-GMs or co-personnel, player personnel directors or whatever it is they're going to be. I don't know. I don't know what what the plan is there. But it doesn't seem like Mayo's directly involved with it. And it doesn't really seem like the crafts know what they're doing. Like, you know, not not that they don't know what they're doing, like they're idiots, but like they don't know what to how to proceed with this. Or they do know, and they're just going to be more involved in it. 
And if that's the case, I don't like that. If that's the case, I would prefer it to be more like it was when Bill was here. Uh, the personnel people making unilateral decisions. The coaching staff making unilateral decisions. Not, you know, Jonathan Kraft or Robin Glazer. I know that she's probably not going to be involved in that either, but they are certainly bringing her name up a lot, aren't they? This Robin Glazer person who I'd never even heard the name before uh, this week. You know, Fitzy, all the people who are down there all the time, Paul Perillo and Deuce and all those people, they they all know her, but, I mean, I'd never heard her name before. And now all of a sudden I'm hearing it everywhere. So I wonder about that. Because <clears throat> if I'm the Crafts, wouldn't you want Mayo to be like Bill in some ways in the sense that he'd be very successful and you can sort of leave him alone and – run your other businesses and know that you're in good hands? Doesn't seem like that's necessarily the same kind of track they're on right now. It seems now like, yeah, they got him there coaching, and that's who they want. But in terms of buying the groceries, that process is now going to be very different than it's been for the last 24 years. And for most of those 24 years, it worked out fine. You know, we all rip on Bill and his drafts lately, but there was a time when Bill was a top drafter I'd say in the NFL you know I mean he he picked out he picked and identified a lot of guys that went on to have great careers here and elsewhere and he had a couple of runs there for years in a row where he was just you know hitting grand slams left and right and some down years too it wasn't all perfect Brady helped mask a lot of that but in a offseason now like this one where you have the third overall pick and a ton of money to spend I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I miss Bill already, but I do sort of miss the idea that, okay, we know who's making the call. We know what their philosophy is going to be. We know what they're sort of shooting for. And even if you didn't like the way Bill drafted recently, and trust me, I didn't, you at least knew he was kind of in control. I don't know who's in control right now. I don't know who's doing all this. I don't know what the what the plan is. And, you know, that's the one sort of lingering thing I have from that Mayo press conference is, well, you don't want to be like Bill. Okay, fine. But I want someone like Bill, maybe not modern-day Bill, but someone like, I don't know, 2000 to 2012 Bill (laughs) in there making those calls. And I don't know who's even going to be doing it at this point. I don't know who it's going to be. No one knows. And the draft's, you know, not too far away. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We'll get to your phone calls right after I tell you what's trending. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. 
watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it on WEEI. And finally, to the fans. Um, you know, the fans here are amazing. Um, you know, there's so many memories of the fans, the, the send-offs, um, the parades, um, the Sundays, you know, whatever the, whatever the situations are, um, the letters of support, uh, the, you know, seeing the fans, you know, away from here, you know, at a gas station or a grocery store, or, you know, where would you bump into them, uh, Patriot fans here, and not just in New England, but... Uh, they extend nationally and even internationally uh, as I've traveled. Uh, it's amazing how far the, the arm reaches. We saw that this year in, in Germany. So, uh, so appreciative of the fans for all the support they've given me, uh, my family, uh, and this football team. And uh, it's with um, just so many fond memories and, and uh, thoughts that I you know, think about the Patriots and, and I'll always be a Patriot. I look forward to coming back here. Uh, but at this time, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to move on. And um, I look forward, I'm excited for the future, um, but always very, very appreciative of the opportunity here, the support here, uh, and, you know, the, what Robert, what you've done for me. Thank you. Bill Belichick at his goodbye press conference. Christian Arcan here, Reverend Arcan. That was the part of his speech that I think landed the best with, with everybody. He only spoke for about, I don't know, five, six minutes, it felt like. The whole thing was done in like under ten minutes. It was a very, very quick uh, send-off for a guy who was here for a really long time. And part of that, still now, you know, in, in retrospect, after a week, two weeks, whatever it's been, they let him go on the 11th. It's the 21st today, so 10 days ago. Seems like longer, doesn't it? Um, that part stuck with me, and I think it stuck with a lot of people. You know, this was a, this was a guy who was a complicated guy. And for the first time, you know, and there was other times over the years where, you know, he was expressive. Maybe not that expressive. But that was about as human as he's ever sounded. And it's too bad that it sort of was out the door that we finally got something like that from him. But, you know, that was part of the Bill Belichick experience, I think, all in all. And I like that moment. You know, I liked it not because, you know, oh, yeah, get out of here, Bill. I'm glad you're crying. Like, it wasn't like that. But I liked it because it was it was proof anyway <clears throat> that there was a real connection with Bill and the, and the fans and that it wasn't just one way. You know, that it that it went sort of both ways. And I think there were times over the course of the last, you know, two decades where fans weren't really ever totally sure about that. And it's not like he cared, you know. It wasn't like that was a bigger deal than winning or anything. But it was nice to sort of see that kind of pay off at the end. Um, Bill Belichick right now is, by several reports, the front runner for this Atlanta Falcons job. However, he just had his second interview on Friday. And if you just heard trending, if you didn't, I'll, I'll repeat it. Someone else just had a second interview with Atlanta. And that someone is Jim Harbaugh. 
Now, here's the thing. There doesn't appear to be a giant market for Bill Belichick. And it seemed like he was very focused on going to Atlanta. And that this is where he's going and that this is how it's going to be. And, you know, if you listen to Dan Orlovsky, he had his destination picked out months and months ago. He knew, you know, he he knew what was going to happen and he knew that this season wasn't going to end the way he wanted to. And so, whatever. Off to Atlanta. We're on to Atlanta. He had the one interview last week, and then they brought him in for interview number two on Friday. And according to most reports, that was just going to be, you know, maintenance. Finalizing everything, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, whatever. And then two days later, Jim Harbaugh's in for a second interview? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. You would think that if Friday was all just about finalizing the contract, that they wouldn't be interviewing. Like, I understand, you know, there's the Rooney rule and you have to interview a certain amount of people and everything. Jim Harbaugh's got nothing to do with the Rooney rule. I think they've already fulfilled their Rooney rule obligations, too, for this, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong there, but it's. I think they have, the Falcons. If you had your man... And all you needed to do was just, you know, sign on the dotted line. Why are you bringing in Harbaugh for a second interview? Is Atlanta getting cold feet? Is Bill getting cold feet? What's going on here? What's going on here? I saw that and I thought, oh, what? wait a minute. Harbaugh? It'd be one thing if they brought in some random linebackers coach from, you know, wherever. But Jim Harbaugh is a marquee name after Bill. He's the, maybe even ahead of Bill in some in some circles. There's Bill, there's Vrabel, there's Harbaugh. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of options out there for teams that need to fill their coaching vacancy. And it doesn't seem like the market for Bill extends too far past Atlanta, does it? We haven't heard of one other interview that he's taken. Harbaugh's taken multiple interviews. We know he was in uh, L.A. talking to the Chargers. And now he's had two interviews with the Falcons. So I guess the question is, what happened on Friday? (laughs) Did Bill walk in there and say, all right, here's how it's going to be. You want me? Then I'm doing personnel. Sorry, Rich McKay. I'm bringing my kids. I'm bringing XYZ. I'm bringing Grow and Wolf and Josh McDaniels. I'm bringing all these people. And if uh, I don't get my way, then you can just, you know, hire somebody else. And the Falcons said, okay, let's get Harbaugh in here again for another interview. I don't know. I'm speculating. I have no I have no information on this. I'm just wondering how we got from Bill being the front runner and this second interview was really just about, you know, cleaning up everything to sign the contract and have the big press conference to now Jim Harbaugh getting a second interview. And think about it, if you're the Falcons, Jim Harbaugh is a guy coming off of a national championship. He's on cloud nine. He's a guy who is probably looking around the league saying, you know what, I can go wherever I want. I am a hot commodity right now. And I think here in New England, we expect it, not just here, everywhere, we expected Bill to be that same kind of hot commodity. And it doesn't seem like that's the case, does it? 
Look at this market. There's nothing. Washington, early on. The Washington Commanders, early on, said, we're all set. The Chargers, I don't think they've uh, called Bill. The Dallas Cowboys, who I still think make the most sense for him, have decided, nope, we're going to keep McCarthy. And we're not going to extend him, which I just saw that today, too. We're going to bring back McCarthy on a lame duck year. Great. That's smart, Jerry. <clears throat> smart to do that instead of moving on and bringing in Bill Belichick, or I don't know, anybody else. A lot of good options. They're sticking with McCarthy. <laughs> I still can't believe that. That's unbelievable to me. Um, so what happened? What's going on? Is Bill going to take a year off? Is he going to retire? He can't retire. Not when you're that close to the record. I was thinking the other day about uh, Bill's biggest achievements, you know, over the over the years here in New England and the, the things that you can sort of look at and say, you know, separate from Tom Brady, these are like his biggest moments. And I know that Tom Brady was sort of intertwined with it all, all the years here, but, you know, like, here's an example. What type of – what teams – that Bill put together, do you think could have won Super Bowls if they had a different quarterback? Because I think there's a few. I think that 4 team, and I'm not just saying they could, if they had any quarterback, you know, like you couldn't put Bailey Zappi out there and win a, win a Super Bowl. But let's say instead of Tom Brady, they had, I don't know, uh, Phillip Rivers or something. Let's say instead of Tom Brady... They had another good quarterback, maybe not a great one. Could they still have won championships in some of those years? 2014, I think they definitely could have. I think they definitely could. Or 20, 2004, I'm saying. Uh, that team was stacked. And another quarterback, I think, could have gone in there and won with that team, with that defense, with that offense. Um, and Brady won, obviously, so you know we'll never know, but... I think that team was good enough to win or at least compete for a Super Bowl with a different quarterback. So I'd say all that to say, you know, well, he's nothing without Brady. I think he was something without Brady. He could have been something without Brady, too. 2014, 2016. I don't know if the 2018 team was winning without Brady. I don't know if 2001 was winning without Brady. And even 03, I mean, that was still still a lot of, like, uh, holdovers from the from the early years before they brought in Corey Dillon and, you know, some of those other guys. So 2003 is maybe a little iffy, but that team was great. That team was 14 and two, like they, I think. And so they they maybe could have won without uh, with with a different quarterback too. And I say all that to say, you know, it's easy to kind of write things off and say, well, it was really uh, Belichick who was, or it was really Brady who was uh, responsible for all that. And maybe that's you know, for some of the championships that's true. But I do think that. You know, if you if you really look at it, Bill could have won some of those with other quarterbacks. Do I think he's going to win anything in Atlanta if he goes there? Which now I'm not sure. I don't know. Probably not. I don't really know what his philosophy is going to be in a place like Atlanta, where their strength is all these young, skilled position players on offense. You know, when's the last time the Patriots had a group of young offensive skill position players like Pitts and London and Robinson and sort of those guys? where all they need is, like, a quarterback who can get them the ball. The Patriots never had a situation like that, I don't think. 
even when they, you know, even in the 08 season when Brady went down, like Matt Castle was able to go out there and get Moss and Welker and all those guys the ball. They didn't make the playoffs, but they still were a good offense. And, you know, that was a sort of a lost season, but they still won, what, 10 games? I wonder how he would handle a situation like that. Not quite ready-made. A team that's sort of on the rise, but not there yet. Would he go in and clean house? Would he go in and start trading guys away? Would he go in and start, you know, going for draft picks? I don't think so. I don't think Bill's in a position where he can start a big rebuild. He's only got two, three more years maybe coaching left, right? Three max, I would say. He's not going to coach till he's 76. I don't even know if he's going to coach till he's 74. <laughs> so that's that's sort of the thing. And it's one that I'm I'm kind of hung up on because – you know, you look at you look at Dallas, you walk in there, you don't have to do anything. You got three players in the top 20 in the whole league on that team. Lamb and Parsons and even Prescott. Prescott had a good year. Um, the ESPN put out a uh, MVP ranking, and there was three Cowboys in the top 10, I think. So, like, that's a that's – a, if I'm Bill, that's where I want to go. I want to go to Atlanta. Have to take a shot at a new quarterback or bring in Kirk Cousins or something like that? Like, no, thank you. No, I'll go to the ready-made turnkey situation. I don't want to have to go. If I'm moving into a new house, I don't want to have to renovate the whole house. I want to go move into a new house where I can just bring in my stuff and set it up and set up my bed and my TV and my couch and just live there, and that's it. (laughs) In my nice house. I don't want to have to do a bunch of work to the house. But here we are. Um... 617-779-7937 Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is your phone number. Uh, let's go to the phones. Talk to Dave and Chicopee. Go ahead, Dave. Hello. Hi, Dave. Hello. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, big fan. You saw. I'm a diehard Patriots fan. Appreciative of Belichick, but I do want to point out a few things. Like you, you talked about Harbaugh. I would have loved to see Kraft work out a deal with Harbaugh making. Mayo, the defensive coordinator, he does know the system, and the system works. Mm. The Patriots have two top picks, if you count the second round. Harbaugh, he already scouted this whole class coming out. So he very well, And he also scouted the 2025 class. He can even say that about the 2026 class. So he knows the talent that's coming out. Probably could turn this around in one draft. And as far as, like, Belichick and uh, – he passed up on Jordan Love. Green Bay saw that and traded up to get him. And he also could have had Baker Mayfield when he left Cleveland. Now look where he is right now. Mm-hmm. He's not. He just doesn't seem to have it. Just he, it's like in their terms, we'll buy the groceries, Bill. And you just worry about what's on the field. You're a great, great game planner and you're a great prepper. But I mean, he just there was too many mistakes in his drafting. And just like to see what you have to think about that. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the drafts lately have been awful. Awful. Uh, no one would disagree with you there. The only thing I'd say to that is this. Baker Mayfield wasn't some hot commodity. You would have taken a flyer on Baker Mayfield. Jordan Love at the time, I wasn't clamoring for Jordan Love. So, I mean, listen, he's uh, over time now kind of evolved into – into a good quarterback, but, I mean, did you see that interception at the end of the game? Holy moly. Mac Jones, even Mac Jones watched that and was like, Jesus, <laughs> what are you doing? That was that was about as bad as any pass Mac Jones threw last year. Um, 
across his body on the run into a group of like three or four people. Like that was that was ugly. But I like Love. I mean, I think Love's, uh, you know, he'll probably have that team back in the playoffs. I think that, uh, you know, in terms of some of those guys, you can you can second guess and you can make those second guesses, and you're probably not totally wrong. But, you know, remember, you had a playoff QB in Mac Jones two years ago, his rookie year. And through a series of odd coaching and personnel decisions, you've completely ruined the kid, I think. However... Mike Reese today, and this was posted early, early this morning. Mike Reese on ESPN in his, uh, you know, quick hitter uh, piece that he has. Check out this headline. Could Patriots coach Gerard Mayo revive Mac Jones's career? Hmm. Hmm. And when Reese writes stuff like this, you pay attention to it. First bullet point of his quick hitter uh, uh, article. Mayo and Mac, and it reads, On Wednesday, after Gerard Mayo was introduced as the 15th head coach in Patriots history, he walked into the weight room and saw a familiar face. Mac Jones was in there working out, Mayo told ESPN. That attitude, that mentality of changing the page, that's something I hold high. The page is turning in New England in dramatic fashion. Mayo quickly tapped his Belichick successor after 24 seasons. That has initially sparked more questions than answers, including this one. Could Jones's once promising career be revived, perhaps similar to what unfolded with the Dolphins two years ago with Tua Tagovailoa? Mike McDaniel came in, replacing Brian Flores. Hmm. Jones is one of five active players who attended the press conference on Wednesday, joining Juwan Bentley, Josh Uche, Jonathan Jones, and Joe Cardona. Mayo is leaving all possibilities open saying he is in the evaluation stage at every position, including coaches. Mentioning Jones and Bailey Zappi, who replaced Jones, he said, those guys have things that they can do, and it's about improving and developing. (laughs) It's a ringing endorsement. Those guys have things that they can do. Uh, Jones' development went sideways after his rookie season. How much of that downfall were a result of his own doing or driven by Belichick's decision-making with coaching, personnel, and system changes over the two years might depend on who you ask. Belichick was clearly done with Jones based on his bottom-line actions in the January 7th regular season finale. Jones was demoted to emergency third quarterback behind Nathan Rourke. Some wondered if it was a way to protect Jones' health for future trade possibilities. I don't think so. But several players didn't buy that explanation because it ran counter to what Belichick always told them about how every decision is to help the team win. Those players hypothesized that Belichick was making a statement that game day roster spots are earned, and that Jones' scout team work, which at one point included too many picks, didn't meet the standard. He was throwing picks on the scout team? (laughs) It was an icy ending to the Belichick-Jones pairing with some, such as former NFL QB Ryan Fitzpatrick, having previously drawn a parallel what unfolded with Flores and Tagovailoa in Miami. Fitzpatrick opined... uh, on the pregame show leading into the Patriots-Steelers game, that Jones was broken as a quarterback from Belichick's coaching. He compared it to how Tagovailoa was broken by the way Flores treated him and coached him before McDaniel came in and restored his confidence. Whether that same dynamic could unfold in New England with Mayo and a new offensive coordinator after O'Brien left for Ohio State is among the lingering questions in a week of seismic change for the organization. Well... I'll tell you what, 
Reese would not open his article with that unless he knew something. Unless he had a very strong suspicion or maybe even full-on data that this kind of thing is likely to happen. And I'll tell you what, this may be controversial. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. The Tua example is a good one. Mac Jones showed that he could play. Mac Jones showed, and Bill said this, that he belongs in the NFL. What happened after that rookie year with Mac Jones, I think, was disgusting. Honestly, I do. Bringing in Patricia and Judge, your offensive coordinator, getting rid of Myers, not investing in a star-wide receiver, letting the offensive line go to crap like it did. That was malpractice. It was. The only question there is that remains is, is Mac Jones too far gone? Can he can he bounce back like Tua did? Can he get it? Can his confidence even be restored at this point? I interviewed Mac Jones all season. I'm the one that asked him that you know infamous yips question. So he probably doesn't like me that much, but you know it, it was I thought at the time a fair question. He didn't like it, but whatever. I uh, I'd be okay with Mac getting another shot. I think he deserves it. I think Mac Jones deserves at least one more opportunity. And I'm not saying he's the starter all year and that you can't, you know, bench him or anything like that. But at the very least, at the very least, I think Mac Jones deserves one shot with this team, with a real offense, and with a coach who's not trying to undermine him at every turn and not making his life miserable at every turn and not bringing in defensive coordinators to call the offensive plays and not letting his best receivers walk in free agency and not really replacing them with anything and passing on DeAndre Hopkins and not signing offensive linemen who are out there to be had a tackle. I think that that's the least you can do. And maybe it won't work. And listen, if they draft a quarterback at third overall, it probably isn't going to. Because if you draft a quarterback that high, then I think you have to move on from Mac and you bring in some veteran quarterback to be his backup. Whoever that guy is at there, whether it's Daniels or whoever, you know, Knicks, McCarthy, Panic, I don't know who they're going to draft. I don't know who's going to be there. But it sounds like they're going quarterback. And if they are, then I don't know how that's going to work with Mac Jones. I don't think the Mac Jones-Bailey Zappi dynamic was a good one. I think if you have a very young quarterback, the backup should be a veteran. And Mac's not quite there veteran-wise yet. But if you're not going quarterback, yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I think he deserves, at the very least, another chance to show that he can start and that he can be a starter in the NFL. I know that may come at the at a big cost if he can't do it, if he's broken to the point where it's just, you know, it's not happening. But uh, it sounds like... It sounds like Gerard Mayo and the Patriots, maybe because there's one year left on that rookie contract, might be as simple as that. I think that there is uh, there is definitely some some truth to these uh, to these rumors here, and I think that there's a very good chance you see Mac Jones back under center for the Patriots next season. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. Quick break. We'll get to your phone calls next. We're back. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime.
All right, we're back here, Boston Sports Original, WEEI. It's me, Reverend Arcand. It's the Sunday Mass, and uh, we got phone calls at 617-779-7937. We'll get to your calls here in just a minute when we reset on Red Sox at the top of the hour. Real quick, this came in from Schefter about an hour ago, right after I went on the air. Uh, we know that the Patriots have a vacancy at offensive coordinator, and now we're getting some names. Schefter, at 8.12 this morning, uh, tweeted the following. L.A. Rams tight end coach Nick Cayley scheduled to interview for New England's offensive coordinator job on Monday. Cayley interviewed last year with the Jets and Texans, and he now becomes the newest Sean McVay assistant in line for a potential promotion. Um, anytime I hear a Sean McVay assistant, I like it. <laughs> I mean, how do you not like that? Talking offense, right? Better than Better than Matt Patricia. Here's the thing. Nick Cayley is a Patriots guy. I mean, he was, you know, he was here for eight years, I think. Let me get the exact now. Yeah, 2015, he started as an offensive assistant. Then he was the tight ends coach. Then he was the tight ends and fullbacks coach. Then just tight ends in 2022. And uh, the last two years, or maybe just this last, this past year, uh, he was hired to be the L.A. Rams tight end coach. Now, that means he's worked with Gronkowski, Tyler Higby. <laughs> um, who else? Who are the tight ends in between there? Hunter Henry, I guess. Uh, Johnu Smith. Those guys. And now he's getting looks at offensive coordinator. I'm curious how many tight ends coaches become offensive coordinators. Because while I do like the idea of taking somebody off the McVay tree, I'm a little worried that they're doing that same thing they did with Bill O'Brien last year, where the Crafts basically went to Bill and said, all right, Bill, this thing with Patricia's not working. We want a new offensive coordinator, but it has to be someone we know. I feel like this year they're saying, all right, we want to get someone from one of these innovative offensive uh, programs, but it's got to be someone we know, okay? We're not bringing in any strangers. We're not gonna we're not gonna turn the keys over to someone that we don't know very very well, and Kaylee's been with uh, the Patriots longer than he's been anywhere else in the NFL. He uh, was a college assistant and you know administrative assistant, secondary coach, graduate assistant at Arkansas. Like he's a relatively young guy. He's younger than me. He's only forty. So you know you're you're not talking about someone with a long resume in the NFL, and that's fine. I like the idea of a young, innovative offensive mind. I just don't like the idea that it had to be someone who was here for eight years. You know, that just seems like a little too a little too close to the bone here in terms of their search. Can you can you maybe find someone with some outside ideas, someone who thinks outside the box, someone who's not under your thumb a little bit already? Like, is that too much to ask? Someone who you're not doing some big favor to? who is going to feel like, you know, you really owe them. And I know it's the offensive coordinator position. If you're promoting somebody uh, who is a receiver's coach or a quarterback's coach or some coach somewhere else, they're going to be grateful for the opportunity, sure. But does it have to be someone who spent all this time here? Like, is that is that such a priority all the time, and why? Why is that? I don't, I don't love that. Uh, but anyway, that's the case. Nick Cayley coming in on Monday interviewing for the offensive coordinator position, and I haven't seen too many other names. And I'll tell you what, despite the eight years here in New England, that one year with Sean McVay may be enough to sway people's opinions. It may be enough to sway mine even. We'll see. Uh, anyway, 
if Mac Jones is coming back, <laughs> whoever that offensive coordinator is is going to be uh, someone that is going to have a lot on his plate, that's for sure. And according to Mike Reese, it seems like they're heavily considering bringing back Mac Jones. 617-779-7937, there's your phone number. I see your Red Sox calls lined up. We will get to them right after the top of the hour. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 